Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Greg Mahasco, joined as always. Yes, he has been promoted to chair, joined as always by the great Todd Wolverton. Hello, Todd. Hello, Greg. I'm I'm somewhat flattered. I'm I'm an always. <laughs> you definitely weren't expecting I've, that. So I've solidified my spot. <laughs> uh, it, it's a happy uh, or an early Christmas present to you, sir. Well, thank you. I you know that was very thoughtful of you, Greg, and I appreciate it. Keep the receipt. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <all> right. <laughs> and we are thrilled to be joined uh, this episode by Jill Heemstra, of course, uh, uh, one of uh, one of our very solid uh, core members uh, of Corn Nation. So uh, honored that Jill is taking time out of her busy life because uh, there are three boys and a lot of work to do around the house and everything else that Jill does. Uh, so Jill, thank you so much for spending some uh, Christmas week time with us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Greg. And my three boys are much less maintenance than yours right now because, you know, I can let mine, you know, drive and they can cook for themselves and they can bathe themselves. So my, Mine probably could. It's just I do right now. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but who really has, you know, who really does, of course, the lion's share of the work and nobody uh, listening to this or, or you know, part of this conversation will disagree. My wife, God bless her. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, I know where you've been, Ashley. I, I don't exactly know where she's been, but I can only imagine. And yes, God bless her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we are going to spend a lot of the, uh, this episode talking about uh, the 12 and 0 Nebraska women's basketball team. But first, there are just a couple of uh, uh, news and notes, as we like to say, uh, surrounding some other Husker athletics. And I, I thought, I don't know if news and notes, it might be official by the time this episode drops Christmas Eve. It might not. It might all just be rumor and innuendo. But the rumor in the report is that defensive line coach Tony Tuioti, I'm hope I'm, I'm I can only hope that I got that right, uh, is being lured away to Oregon. Um, don't like that. To to quote uh, Michael Scott from The Office, don't like that. Um, the the defensive line has done some really tremendous things over the course of the last few years. When you look at uh, the Ben Stillies, the Damian Daniels, the Darian Daniels. Um, and uh, I don't want to lose a coach on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Todd, we were talking a little bit about this before we started rolling sound. Um, it, it could just be nothing. Uh, there's been no official word as of yet, but what's your take on the rumors that uh, a Nebraska coach might be departing of their own free will this time around? Well, I'll tell you what, it, you know, he'd be one of the last ones that I'd like to see leave. You know, I, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, that's a position group that has continued to grow and develop under his leadership. Um, by the same token, uh, I, I don't know that we should be real surprised that Oregon would be attractive to him. Uh, he's a West Coast guy. He's, he's, you know, spent the vast majority of his career out there. Uh, there is uh, the fact that, um, you know, Oregon has performed pretty good in the last few years. Uh, yes, they do have a new head coach, a new regime coming in. 
but in terms of you know the quality of product that they've put out on the field has been better than what we've seen at Nebraska. So you know that certainly could be attractive. Uh, one of the things that I read today is that, and you know, it's something we really, I don't know that we can truly appreciate it a whole lot here in the Midwest, but um, you know, we've, we've had our share of Polynesian and Hawaiian uh, players that have found their way, you know, to Nebraska to play, not, not very many of them. Uh, you know, certainly we look at the volleyball team and we've got, um, uh, oh, I can't, I can't say her first name, but Akana, Kealii, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. I, I hate when I can't pronounce names, but you know, she's certainly, she certainly I probably said it wrong too. <laughs> well, she, you know, she obviously is of Hawaiian descent and came from the Hawaiian islands and, and we've had Dominic Riola and we've got Donovan Riola, who's going to be on the staff now that are both Hawaiian, but um, you know, that uh, when you look at the rosters of Brigham Young and Utah and the packed PAC 12 schools, you see, a lot of Polynesian players out there and uh, that could be a really good fit for him. Uh, you know, who, who knows, but I, I look I, at, I, I don't uh, want to see him go. I don't want to see him go. It, and it's a little bit of scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Uh, but uh, it, recruiting, uh, you know, Polynesian players, it, it tends to be uh, easier if you have, uh, you know, a, a Pacific Islander on, you know, on, on your team or, or on your staff, uh, Noel Pola Gates comes to mind. And there was a, a, a kid that they just got uh, last week uh, in the early signing period, whose name escapes me. I know we mentioned him uh, on, on last week's show, but uh, it, I, there does seem to be just a, a and, and I think part of it is travel, you know, yes, they're traveling, to the States to, you know, and that's a big distance from their family. And I get that, but it's also easier for family to see them if they play at Cal, Oregon, Utah, rather than, you know, SEC, big 10 country type of places. So um, it, it would, it would suck to lose him. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that at all. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit of, you know, uh, well, now, now, as you, you said, uh, Todd, we have Donovan Rayola. So that, you know, I don't know if that is a replacement in that aspect. You certainly want uh, two guys as good as they are. You know, it'd be fun to have an offseason where uh, Tuyoti is coaching against Rayola in practices and just to see uh, the, the progression that those units make. Uh, Jill, where, what do you think about it? Do you think that where there's smoke, there's fire? Do you think that this is, um, you know, more or less likely to happen than, you know, kind of what we, we already on coordination, we, we, I guess, jumped the gun as much as hail varsity. I think and maybe one other site that said it's a done deal, but nobody knows for sure. There's not been any official word. Where, where, where do you stand on, on the rumor as it is? Yeah, I, I tend to think that, if it came down to money, you know, Nebraska could do that. I mean, it's not a matter of money keeping there, but when it comes down to it, if you're somebody that's grown up in Hawaii, your roots in Hawaii and Oregon is, you know, going to give you a chance and Nebraska hasn't done diddly for how long. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard. And we'll see how it kind of works out. Um, but 
Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of smoke there. I would hate to lose him. He he seems like he's been a very good coach. Um, but you know, Nebraska does have another person on staff who would also be a good D-line coach. So I guess you just roll with the punches if if they come. Yeah, and I, I, I concur with that, Jill. You know, I think that they're, you know, we'll just slide. Oh, geez, I'm blank on his name off of the outside Dawson. line. Uh, Dawson. Dawson, yeah, exactly. Just slide Dawson into that slot, and I think you have a quality coach there. And, you know, um, there were some people, you know, some fans have kind of hypothesized that the way uh, Nebraska gets a full-time special team coach is if one of the defensive coaches leaves and, you know, you slide uh, Coach Bush in there uh, to coach a position group and, and special teams or something like that. And so theoretically, you know, that could work at Nebraska. I if we were going to lose a defensive coach, I honestly thought it'd be coach Fisher, you know, because he seems to be a pretty hot commodity. Uh, what concerns me <laughs> is that, you know, there are still, I mean, there's a lot of uh, coaches to be hired at many division one programs out there. You know, they've, I think what 20 new head coaches and, you know, you factor that out to their staffs. Uh, I, I, I also got to believe that, you know, once the NFL season comes to a close, that could upset the apple cart a little bit more with coaches. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see coaching the coaches moving. I don't see that stopping for a while yet. So, do you think that now? I don't necessarily want to talk about the offensive side because the office and offensive coaching staff is pretty new here. Um, but do you think that there are going to be more changes, more coaches from the defensive side of the ball leaving, be it for another collegiate program or to the NFL? I, I want to say I hope not. <laughs> right. Not, um, right. I, I don't know. I'm not as connected there as maybe some other people are. But you know that there's going to be NFL coaches fired. I mean, that's going to happen. And uh, they usually wait until, you know, the end of the season. They're going to fire some coaches. Um, you know, the, the college coaching pool you know, is, is going to be attractive for some of those teams, perhaps. And you just don't know. But, I, I, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I think Coach Rude, I think he stays. Um, I hope Coach Dawson stays. Uh, you know, though some people might, you know, they're pointing fingers at him for the special team failures. I don't know. But we, we really we really need Coach Fisher to stay uh, with the quality that he has brought to that coaching staff. So, um, I, Greg, to answer your question, I don't know, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this is all smoke, no fire uh, with Coach Toyoto. But, um, you know, I guess we'll see and we'll adjust. Well, let's talk about some shuffling on another Husker uh, coaching staff, and that would be volleyball. And the uh, number two and national, I guess, runner-up, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, Husker women's volleyball team, uh, Kelly Hunter comes back home as the full-time assistant, number two to Coach Cook, I believe. And, uh, uh, oh, we were just talking about this, Hildebrand. Can't remember his first name. Tyler Hildebrand. Tyler Hildebrand. Uh, going out uh, going out west 
to Long Beach. Long Beach State, yeah. Long Beach is a is a very nice place to visit. Um, I did that once years ago. To it was a it was a Husker trip my wife and I took when we went and saw Nebraska play UCLA in the uh, Rose Bowl, not the game, just the stadium, uh, in September of 2012. And I know that because it was our last vacation. I was there three weeks ago. And um, mm, well, I was there nine years ago. Dad. <laughs> and I wanted to go, go down to, uh, wanted to go down to the bookstore and buy myself a dirtbag T-shirt, but uh, didn't get it done. Uh, but you know, and and you know, I think I, I know that Jill, you know, pays close attention to this program too. But you know, Tyler Hildebrand, Hildebrand, he was here as an assistant, and then he left to go work with one of the national teams. And then he came back and now he's leaving again. And I, I thought, you know, somebody had posted an interesting comment about him that when Nebraska wants him to come back, they'll just go get him, <laughs> you know? And, and I don't know, he's at his alma mater now. So I don't know. It might be kind of hard to pull him back if that's in fact what they want, but you know, they're moving Jalen Reyes up to the head assistant and then Kelly Hunter's going to be the, the number two assistant. Jalen Reyes is the guy who apparently is the lead recruiter that's bringing in just incredible recruits. Um, but I think the message for me, and, and I hate to hog the show here, but the message for me is apparently John Cook is more than uh, anxious to coach at Nebraska for a few more years. I think he's contracted through 2024, but it sounds like uh, maybe he's looking at uh, prolonging his stay for a while. And I'm, I'm good with that, too. If you're yeah, John, I get that same impression. I'm sorry. Greg. Oh no, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. You're you're the guest. You you get you get the right impression. away. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. You know, because Tyler Hildebrand was the first associate head coach we ever had. So I think we were all kind of assuming John Cook was grooming a coach in waiting, and I think these recruiting classes he's brought in have just put him on the cusp of, you know, a Nick Saban-like level of dominance in volleyball for the next few years. I mean, how could any head coach walk away from that? Um, and, and it may not come to pass, but seriously, look at what they are bringing in and look at what they did this last year with freshmen <laughs> playing key roles. They were the national runner-up. This should scare every other volleyball team in the country. And the influx of talent is not – going to stop in the near future and I, I do have a question about that because if you're john cook uh, unless another school backed up the dump truck full of money to your front lawn like there's there, there's nowhere that he would rather be right i mean um it, unless i'm i'm let's say Texas because Nebraska just beat them at their home court. It was glorious to watch. Um, but let's say Texas offered him some insane amount of money. Like there's no, he would. You, you, what, Trev Alberts would be an idiot to not match it. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, and, and Nebraska has the resources to do it. I think really it was just a matter of, did he want to become like an athletic director or, you know, become a full-time grandpa. That to me was the only thing in his mind, in, in my mind, but I have no idea. 
Well, Nebraska volleyball is one of maybe just like, you know, there's UConn women's basketball, maybe at the height of the Pat Summit era, there was uh, Tennessee Tennessee. Lady Vol. But there are not many self-sustainable women's athletic programs in the country. Nebraska is one of the few. Nebraska volleyball is one of the few where, you know, they're not siphoning money off of know the a football program or you know like a, a duke basketball or kansas basketball or something like that i mean they are they are self-sustaining and that looks you know, exceptionally good from the administrative standpoint because you 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 know you can pay for all, all you need out of volleyball including you know a, a, a coach's salary so yeah i don't i don't and I definitely don't – I'm not, like, advocating that John Cook should go somewhere else. I'm just wondering, it, there's there's not a school that's going to be able to offer what Nebraska can offer, especially with his history here. So, um, I think I've just talked myself out of my own question. So, good job, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think part of it really is just seeing what could happen the next three, four years. And if you were a coach like him – wouldn't you really want to be a part of it? And if you were Tyler Hildebrand, would you wait that long or would you be called back to your alma mater and be like, well, maybe in the future, we'll see. That, that's you the know. tough thing too. And I completely agree with you, Jill, about, um, you know, like I think maybe that's why Nick Saban's assistants keep, you know, like he can't hold on to him. Now, granted, it's one of the more dominant programs in the country, they do great things on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, but they continue to do that regardless of who those, you know, coordinators and coaches are. So I think in that case, it's more of a Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, they're getting all the five and four star talent that they need or want. Um, I think Nebraska is, is in a similar, uh, but I'll be a more wholesome position just because it's not Alabama. Uh, but you're right. You know, it, it, be it, it, you know, a Kelly Hunter or Reyes, you know, or Hildebrandt, I think is a great example. Uh, Jill, I think you hit the nail on the head is how long, I mean, if your dream is to be a head coach, are you going to wait for, you know, the, the goat to retire? Cause you don't know when that could be. And then I had a, a guy that I worked with years ago who, and this was small town radio. So take it with, you know, what it is, but, there's the legendary, you know, we jokingly refer to him as the voice of, you know, in that community, as far as high school athletics go, he's like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, when he retires that everybody's going, you know, is, is following his footsteps because everybody's going to be comparing you to the most beloved, you know, figure in, in that arena. So it would be tough when John Cook retires or moves on or whatever he does, it's going to be tough to fill to uh, because you're always going to be well. John Cook was this and this and this, you know. So I, I, I think I have enough faith in Nebraska fans, and especially the way I was just reading, and I think our Slack chat room that uh, uh, when John Cook came to Nebraska, he did in in Coach Pettit's last year to familiarize himself with the program, with the the players involved for a smooth transition. I do feel like again the foundation is in place for when John Cook's time is up, that there's a, a smooth transition and, and no, you know, you know uh, rebuilding year, so to speak. This was supposed to be the rebuilding year, and it worked out pretty well. 
Yeah, and he's tr- he's not only churning out volleyball teams anymore, he's churning out coaches. And Olympic gold medals. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he, he has reached just yet another level. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, if I were him looking at the talent that's coming into this program, I'd be like, sorry, guys, I am not leaving now. I have a chance to do something that just has never, ever been done before. <laughs> that's, when you see, that's when he calls up Trav Miller, let's talk extensions, boss. Well, yeah. and, and, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe uh, that, and I probably shouldn't even say this, but, you know, maybe uh, Tyler Hildebrand has another possible competitor to um, follow Coach Cook, and that might be the coach of the year from Louisville. No. Oh. Um, yeah, know, yeah. Her, uh, her, her buyout does include a Nebraska clause. Sure. So, yeah. You know, it, here's, I, I guess I'm excited to watch this volleyball team. I guess my next level of excitement, you know, that has to be, you know, I, I, I got to have answers here is whether uh, Nicklin Hames and uh, Kayla Caffrey, uh, Caffey are, um, whether those two, those two in particular, are they going to come back? Um, uh, I, I hope those two do. Um, but then again, you know, there are a couple of girls that didn't see the floor very much this year that are supposed to be pretty incredible players. So, well, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I, I think Nicklin Hames has done some amazing things, but if I remember right, there was a quote from Cook earlier in the season where he was hoping like Kennedy Orr, who was the, mm-hmm. the, the setter recruit, he's like, we were hoping she was a little further along but she wasn't. And I really do think that Nicklin is being told if she comes back, you are in a straight up competition with the person who could be here another four years. Right, and right. that will factor into our decision. <laughs> well, exactly. And they redshirted a, a true freshman middle blocker too. Mm-hmm. Redshirted. So, and they've got another middle blocker coming in next year who is what – She's expected to be a dual sport women's basketball volleyball recruit. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to watch another year of Kayla Caffey. I mean, oh, yeah. who doesn't love watching her? <laughs> she, she attacks with authority, but Jill, you provided us what I like to call in the radio biz, a perfect segue <laughs> to transition to what the focus is supposed to be. It, it, I feel like it's 20 minutes in and we haven't touched about it. 12 and 0, the Nebraska women's basketball team after uh, this past Wednesday matinee had a nice win over Wyoming. It, and it, you feel bad for the women's basketball program because they're doing all this while the volleyball team was playing in the national, you know, tournament in the ch- going all the way to the championship match. So, uh, a little bit uh, under the radar, but no less 12 and 0 before Christmas. I mean, that's it, in 1 and 0 in Big Ten play, um, but they're off to an, a nice start. I, I'm, I'm bearing the lead. All here. at a nice start. Yeah. It's the, 
it's the second best start in Nebraska women's basketball history. You know, the only other team that did better than that was the 2009-10 team, which was, you know, a number one seed. And they went 30-0 eventually. Yeah, this is incredible. I mean, they've played a fairly weak schedule. We won't pretend otherwise. But they did what they needed to do needed to do you know just last night number 15 Iowa lost to IUPUI which is a pretty big upset and Nebraska has held off things like that so yeah 12 and 0 is pretty remarkable I mean they're Uh ranked yeah, they're ranked number five or number six. I think it's number five now in the NET rankings. In the in the coaches and AP polls, they are not in the top 25 yet, but you can't really fault that yet because Nebraska doesn't have the pedigree to have the – not the past few years. They, they have not had the pedigree for coaches to say, yeah, we trust that team once they start meeting really good teams. So I'm not upset about that yet, but it has been fun to watch this team. <laughs> I, I think you hit, you know, because my, my initial question was going to be how long can they sustain it? Uh, it one of the questions I was going to have was, you know, how, how far has a women's basketball team gone, you know, un, undefeated. And, and so you've answered that question, but uh, to, to my original question, which was going to be, you know, They've been playing lesser competition. I mentioned one and zero in Big Ten play. They did beat Minnesota, but to your point, uh, a top twenty, top fifteen team in Iowa did just lose to what I, I think is IUPUI, their Ohio Valley Conference or something like that. I mean, it's they're yes, Summit League, yeah, Summit League. Okay, so they're not. You know they're 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 not supposed to be a threat, <laughs> um, but right, yeah, no. they're not one of the Summit League teams that typically upsets ranked teams. Yeah, so it yeah, it's kind of crazy, and it's funny because this team only lost one piece from last year, and that was a big piece. Like literally speaking, six foot five, Kate Kane is a big piece of last year's program. And she got invited into a WNBA camp. So she's not like a small loss, but in some ways, you know, they made up for that. And the freshmen they brought in have brought something a little different. They brought like attitude. I mean, you look, especially, I'm especially looking at Allison Widener, Widener, I think is the right way to pronounce her name and Alexis Markowski, they just refused to let anybody else beat them on any given play. And when you have players like that, not just in practice, but in a game, wow. I mean, Alexis Markowski, today she was kind of quiet because I think the other team had scouted her. But the two previous games, Alexis Markowski, a true freshman, came in and had two double doubles. She was the rain she is the reigning Big 10 freshman of the week. Uh, that's good enough for me. I mean, that's an influx of attitude and 
just plain, you are not going to beat me to this ball. Try. <laughs> you know, Jill, you mentioned those two gals. Those are both homegrown, homegrown kids. Um, yes. Markowski from Pius and, and Widener from uh, St. Francis of Humphrey, which I think is a D1 school. Um, yeah, it's pretty much what my kids have played basketball in. Yeah, she's she played in a pretty small school. Todd, are you saying that they're the Brody belts of women's basketball? Um, Allison think- Widener was um, like the number 80 recruit in the country. So I don't think Brody belt got <laughs> to that level. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Jill, because what I was going to say would not be appropriate for. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, say, I will say when Brody Belt was featured in that one game, he, he actually looked pretty good. So yeah. I'm not going to say bad things about Brody Belt. <laughs> and, and neither will I, except in good, wholesome fun. And Brody is welcome on the Five Heart Podcast anytime. Uh, <laughs> we can't pay him. That's probably why he's not showing up. Jill, what about this? Um, what about this player from Australia? And again, you know, I've uh, we've I got three about, of them. Which one are you talking about? Well, isn't there isn't there a, a point a jazz a point guard? Oh yes, Jazz and, Shelley. And, yeah, she transferred from Oregon this year. She has pretty much taken this team by storm. The last couple of years, Amy Williams has been operating with players who were playing point guard, but they weren't, that wasn't their true role. And now she's got Jazz Shelley, who in 12 games with Nebraska already has more rebounds, more block shots, I believe, than she did in two years with Oregon. Um, Yeah, she's just, yeah, wow. I don't even know what to say about her. She's had a triple-double already. She had a double-double today. You need her to do something. She does it. And when you watch her play, oh, my gosh. If you are on Nebraska's team, you better not take her eyes off you because she could have her back turned to you and you could end up with a pass. She does these no-look passes that are a thing of beauty, like, chef's kiss kinds of stuff. If you are, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it, but she can distribute the ball, which is what you want your point guard to do, but damn it. She's also scoring. She's rebounding. She's, I think she's Nebraska's block shots leader right now. As a point guard. As the point guard, yes. Averaging uh, averaging 1.5 blocks per game. Um, mm-hmm. And she had 30 points against Drexel. Uh, now, again, it's Drexel. We, 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 let's, let's, you know. Um, Drexel was an NCAA tournament team last year. Yeah, exactly. It's Drexel. That's why that's exactly the emphasis I was put. It's Drexel, not, well, it's Drexel. No, it's Drexel. It's Drexel. She put up the here's here's what a lot of people may not know, and I, I know this, I've known this for a long time. Uh Jazz Shelley is uh not only is she a tremendous basketball player stateside, but she's actually on the Australian national team. I've known that for minutes. 
so is Isabel Bourne, who is our, <laughs> our forward, our one of our returning all Big Ten players. And, and the nice thing about having Jazz Shelley is that she has Ashley Scoggin was playing point guard last year and she was very streaky. Um, there'd be games where she'd score 25 and games where she would score, you know, three. And this year she gets to be the off guard. She gets to be the shooter. And that has really opened her up. And, and Jazz Shelley seems to be able to handle all of it. But the really nice thing that I think is going under the radar right now is that Nebraska's best player returning is Sam Hybe. And I've been like, wow, Hybe's been really kind of quiet this year. She missed one game, which was called a lower leg injury. And Amy Williams has alluded to the fact that they've had to limit her somewhat because of this. But when Nebraska really needed her against Minnesota, the Gophers had Nebraska on the ropes in the fourth quarter. And Sam Hybe just was looking around going, oh, shit, nobody else is nobody else is doing anything. So I guess I better do it. And we got to see Sam Hybe of old and she pretty much willed the team to win. She is as clutch as they get. I mean, if you need a closer, you go for Sam Hybe. And it's nice that hopefully she's been able to work through whatever injury she's had. And it sounds like it's pretty minor, but enough to limit her. I, you know, in, in, because of Jazz Shelley, yes. In, in talking about Hybe in, in that game against Minnesota, um, you know, talking about uh, referencing her being the closer, if, if, if you need it done, she had 13 points in that game. And 10 of those points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, as you mentioned, Joe, when, when Nebraska needed somebody to step up, it was their fourth year junior, um, you know, and, and, and doing what she's done. You know, look, she, she's done this uh, well enough and long enough to be number 22 uh, on Nebraska's all-time scoring list. Definitely, yeah, definitely didn't look that up just now. <laughs> no, yeah, Hyvie is, if you have three seconds left on the shot clock, you absolutely hope that Sam Hybe has the ball because she's going to do something with it. She's either going to drive to the rim, get the basket, or she's going to draw the foul and put some free throws in for you. I mean, it's, you just, that's who you want in that situation. And the cool thing is that she doesn't have to be that every game, every possession like she did last year. I think that's the big difference for this team. You know, Jazz Shelley has come in and she's shown like she can be the distributor. She can do all these things. I think in the first half of the game today, she had seven assists, zero turnovers. I mean, when your point guard is doing that, good things are happening. Yeah. And, but you still have Isabel Bourne, who is kind of like quietly having another all big 10 year. Nobody's talking about her. You know, she's really good. And you've got these freshmen who are just playing, making it clear, like you had better earn your playing time or I'm going to take it from you. You know, it's, it's been just kind of fun to watch. 
And Amy Williams has been pretty masterful at handling this because there's not enough playing time to go around, to be quite honest. They've really got people that need today. Annika Stewart scored 20 some points. I don't even know how many minutes she played, but it was less than 20 minutes. And she's been playing single digit minutes, a lot of games. She's an incredibly talented player. Her sister was an All-American with, I think her sister's an All-American. For sure, she was All-Conference with Iowa. And Ani Stewart is accepting a role of being the sharpshooter, you know, that other post players can't defend. And you've got Allison Widener, who's, you know, a She's probably the point guard in waiting to Jazz Shelley because she has shown she can do this stuff. But she's also going to crash into the middle of a five-car pileup and come out with the ball. Yeah. How do you how do you coach that attitude? That's you you just sort of shape it. You sort of use it to your advantage. You don't coach it because it's there. And I've just been impressed with how it's all coming together for them. Now, I mean, the Big Ten is going to be rugged this year. So Nebraska starts off, I think, with Michigan State, who is an NCAA tournament team. And I think they have Iowa, two out of their first three or four games of the conference season. And Iowa was a Sweet 16 team. It doesn't get easy. I mean, Nebraska is going to be tested, but the, the Nice thing is they have developed confidence. They've got these freshmen on the floor and they're figuring out their roles. Like even Alexis Markowski, who is like a top recruit in the country. She was on BTN the other day talking about, Oh, I I love coming off the bench and doing what I can do. And when you can get somebody with her credentials saying, yeah, I'm totally cool with coming off the bench, you know, you've got the right team dynamic. And so it's going to be a fun group to watch. I I think that that attitude, and I want to talk more about the schedule here in a minute, but uh, Alexis uh, in in particular, um, uh, that attitude, you know, if she's, she's one of the top recruits in the country, you know, it's, it's leading from – what am I trying to say? Um, look, if you're if – you're, it, it'd be like – I'm not saying Alexis Markowski is Michael Jordan, but in, in the event that, you know, it's all about attitude, right? It's not always about production. It's all, all about attitude. And, like, I was a top recruit in the country, but I'm not too good to sit the bench, you know, and when it's my turn – you know, I make the most of it uh, because as you mentioned a few minutes ago, there just aren't enough minutes going around. We, you know, we talked about it uh, a little bit ago in this episode with volleyball is you have so much talent and you can only put so many bodies on the floor at once. We would love it. Could you imagine a Nebraska women's basketball team that had eight people on the floor all the time? I think we, they, they'd be undefeated for a long time. Uh, that's just not how basketball works folks. Um, so that attitude is everything you want from a leader. And so I think Alexis Marcos, while she might not be getting the minutes, you know, while it might've been, 
you know, the, the PR thing, but I, I think, you know, she's probably pretty genuine and sincere about that. And that's going to take her a lot farther in her career in Nebraska than, you know, that those extra, you know, five minutes on the court where they may, may or may not be productive. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you go ahead, Joe. I say, right. Even our starters are, they're not going over 30 minutes a game right now either. I mean, the amount of depth Amy Williams has and the fact that the, this supposedly weak, and it is not supposedly, it's a weak non-conference schedule has allowed them to deploy their young players and figure out who's doing what, what's, what am I good at? Where can I step in? I think they're, they're relishing the, those opportunities and it, it, it will be fun to watch. I, I, this, I think this team will surprise in big 10 play, but you know, again, you have to remember Nebraska has never beaten Maryland ever in women's basketball. <laughs> I, I think it's, are we, what are we like 12 or 13 and O by now? against Maryland or O and 12, O and 13, something like that. Um, so there's a lot of work to do. And there are four teams in the big 10 that were in the sweet 16 last year, Michigan, Indiana, Iowa, and Maryland. They returned everybody like most teams from the COVID year. Super seniors, right? Much everyone. Yeah. So it's not going to get easier. You know, a sixth place finish in the Big Ten would be pretty amazing, and it would be pretty similar to what the team did last year, and they're going to be a better team than they were last year. So we'll see what happens. What I do like about the the non-conference schedule, and and as you mentioned, you know, I was um, understating Drexel, uh, and, you know, we talked about – what IUPUI did to Iowa and we, you know, again, beaten Minnesota when we met Wake Forest in the big 10 ACC challenge, they were undefeated at the time, but what being 12 and 0 at this point in the season allows you to do against perhaps lesser competition is it allows you to work out uh, a lot of kinks, find a lot of uh, sets of five that work for you that you can do different things so that you're able to show, um, you, you know, different things to the opponents and, and they're not ever really able to get comfortable. Then you look at what's coming up in the big 10 play. Uh, and, and what I like is they get eight days off. You know, they played on Wednesday, the 22nd. They don't play again until July 30th, as we mentioned, uh, Michigan state. Then there's Michigan a few days after that, Iowa, Indiana, and Iowa. And finally, you know, the, the dreaded lady Terrapins, we don't see them until February. So, uh, um, but what I want to see is like, look, the, the men's team is the men's team. But what <laughs> what I want to see is uh, the the women continuing to, to compete and put quality uh, product on the floor so that by February, mid-February, you know, the, the fans continue to get out there and support them uh, because – like, look, it, it would be very difficult to recreate 30-0, and 0, especially in a Big Ten environment that is as competitive as the Big Ten is. Jill, you, you mentioned just a minute ago, four. Uh, the, the Big Ten made up a quarter of the Sweet 16 a year ago. Um, that's tremendous. Mm-hmm. It, it showed, you know, 
Nebraska women or a Big Ten women's basketball is as strong as Big Ten men's basketball, I think. Different pieces uh, in play, you know, different teams are, are a little bit more powerful, you know, that, than others at, at each respective school. Obviously, we're, we know that right here in Nebraska. Um, but it's a strong conference, and so you've got to be ready to play. And, and the – we, we don't ever like to, to use the addition by subtraction, but with no Kate Kane, you know, somebody else has to step up and we're seeing a lot of people step up. We're seeing a lot of production from a lot of different uh, places. And we, I, I do have a tough question for you now, Jill is going back X, X many years. How, how many years do you have to go back until you find a team that's as good as the team that Amy Mitchell has this year? Wow. Yeah, that's, you know, because last year she had a, she had talent to work with. I mean, but the, the depth wasn't there and they had so many injuries. There were, there were games where basically Nebraska had seven players available and with the injuries, they were just one. It was just a weird year. I mean, COVID year, just everybody gets a pass and the injuries, the lineup shuffling. It was, it was a crazy year going back. I think Amy Williams was the big 10 coach of the year. Was it her second or third year at Nebraska? Second year, probably at Nebraska. Um, her first, her first recruiting class, she just basically was trying to salvage the class after Connie Yori resigned and she came in but her first two recruiting classes were like top 25 quality. And there was one year where they really made some noise. I think they were third, maybe in the big 10. This is probably the most, not just the most talent, but the most depth. I mean, they're, they're rolling. They have 13 active players on the roster and they could roll any of them out and feel good about their roles and how they do. And there are, I don't even know how many games where they've had five or more of them score double digits. So the scouting reports for other teams have to be pretty muddy right now. I mean, originally it was probably, okay, let's focus on Hybe and Bourne. They're the all big 10 players returning. And now they have to look at Jazz Shelley because, you know, she's doing Jazz Shelley things and they're having to look at Markowski and they know that Bella Cravens is going to get her rebounds. And if they leave her alone, she's going to score some points and block shots. And if they don't pay attention, Allison Widener and then Annika Stewart went off for 21 points today. And, you know, how do you scout that? How do you practice for a team when the scouting reports like, anybody can hurt you at any time that makes it harder for another coach great place so, for coach mitchell to yeah. be in uh you know for for williams. nebraska and the fans and coach williams what'd i say mitchell yeah i knew an amy williams. mitchell once she, she she's cool uh all right so amy williams <laughs> sorry coach williams and then thank you joe for for correcting me uh no but it's a, it, it's a good place to be in when you have um a comedy of riches, you know, an abundance, uh, the, the cup runneth over as it will. And, and it does make, uh, doing any, you know, film, you know, scouting, et cetera, uh, from the opposition side, very difficult. Yeah. And plus she has 
parts to deploy, you know, they look at the scouting report for the team they're playing and, oh, so they're strong in the paint. So who needs to really be prepped and ready to go? Or they've got the three-point shooters who are our best three-point defenders, you know. She's got the pieces there as well to scout the opposing team. I, I really doubt there's other teams that have the amount of moving pieces Nebraska has right now. Again, I, I, I'm not predicting a conference championship. That would be cool. I'd love it. I think they're capable of it, but it's the Big Ten is just going to be rugged. So, it, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. It, it, it will be fun to see what kind of a coaching performance Amy Williams can put together with this team. Um, I'll stop there. I don't know enough to say more. <laughs> definitely Coach Williams. Uh, no other Amy around, but definitely Coach Williams. Uh, has her team playing at a high level heading into the uh, week plus uh, Christmas break. And let's just hope they maintain that coming out as they will be taking on Michigan State in East Lansing, December 30th, another matinee. So look for that one at one o'clock on check your local listings, but let's be realistic. uh, Probably just Husker radio uh, for that one because it's bowl season and, Women's basketball tends to be overlooked, right, Joe? Yeah, I get kind of lonely in the game threads, but well, <laughs> I, I'm not complaining, am I? A little bit. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> Come on, coordination uh, fans, head on over to those game threads and keep Joe company because uh, they're lively and they're positive because it's a good basketball team. You could go to the men's game threads, but why would you want to talk about a loss? Well, John was all there by himself when I checked before I came on here tonight. So um, not a whole lot of <laughs> not a whole lot of love showing uh, the men's program in the game. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate. They, they have a lot of talent and I feel do. bad that it's not coming together for them. Yep, I do, too. One quick check in on that. Uh, the men's team did get a win tonight. Uh, 88 to 74, they beat Kennesaw State. Now, if you need to know where Kennesaw State is, you are in the same boat as me because I don't know where Kennesaw State is. Probably some like Kentucky or Tennessee. Todd, I bet you know. I don't, but I'm going to go with you and say Kentucky or Tennessee, and I think we're pretty, pretty That would have been. That would have been my guess as well. One of those states. Now I'm on it. Uh, Georgia. Kennesaw, oh, Georgia. Oh. It's got Kennesaw Mountain down there, so it should have known. Come on, Todd. Jeez. Yeah, no. what, what, what happened to that degree you had in geography? I'm so disappointed. Yeah, well, that's the one social studies class I never taught. Well, you do like <laughs> the social in social studies, you commie pinko bastard. Yeah, <laughs> had to get it in for when John yeah. listens to this yeah, and has just, a chuckle. Just, yeah, you don't want me to get uh, you, you. You don't want me to improve my self worth and confidence. You know, so, <laughs> I. You know what? I built you up at the beginning of the show uh, just to bring you back to reality here. Yeah, at the well, end, that's so. that's that's fine. Re- reality is fine for me. 
I'm, I'm good in reality. Well, thank you. <laughs> and Jill, thank you so much. Uh, let's check in in a few weeks uh, after the Husker women have uh, gotten uh, some Big Ten schedule under their belt and, and uh, we'll see where they're at. That would be awesome. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can do. Always a pleasure and a privilege, uh, Jill. And uh, you and your family have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Todd, um, stay out of the fruitcake. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that will be no problem. I, uh, attacking the eggnog will be my, will be my uh, downfall. So. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I was in my teens, like 16, 17 at a, a family Christmas gathering. And I went to try some eggnog and I did not care for it because I was a minor. And my aunt says, well, you don't have any alcohol in there when you're 21, then it'll taste good. And all these years later, I've just never gone back to eggnog. You know what? I, as I pointed out to you earlier, Todd, I'm just drinking seasonal beers. Uh, like this one. Speaking of Georgia, this is from the Sweetwater Brewing Company in Atlanta, and it is called their Festive Ale. And it's got a trout on it, which I didn't know the trout were very uh, common. It's very Christmassy. But uh, it's a tasty beer. I, I, I created my own six-pack of seasonal beers uh, at a place uh, in my vicinity. And so I've been enjoying one a night starting uh, on Monday, and I'll finish off on Christmas night, one beer a night, uh, and then I I sleep pretty well because I'm old. Todd, I'm old. Your Jill? very own Advent calendar. Right, right. I there are <laughs> there are Advent beer calendars. Did you know that? Why did I not know of this? There are. I, I've got a buddy who's been uh, peeling one every day this month so he's on day 22 uh but yeah it, it i mean it's a box right it's it's it, but it is in his fridge taking up uh, a ton of space in his fridge and he he you know peels another uh, cover off and and has a beer from a different brewing company every day for 24 days 25 days whatever it is um so I've been you know, living vicariously through him. Thought I'd try it for a week, and I'm doing pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Jill, I think we can do something with this next year with Nebraska beers and Advent calendars. It just just need, you need to have a coronation like coronation. Yes. Yeah, Advent beer thing. Yeah. Okay, we can do this. I think we can. I'm yeah. on board. I will both help in conception and in distribution and in uh, uh, implementation, implementation and participation. There you go. That's what I'm here for the beer. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for, you're going to be another year into being the parent of three sons. And as I am now 20, well, I guess my youngest is 15. So I am 15 years into being the parent of three sons, Greg. Mm -hmm. I am, I, I'm a bit ahead of you, and I'm so sorry for your luck. It's fine. That's why you have twins, right? So to get two of them out of the way at one time? Get it, get it through faster, yeah. Good it's luck with that. Working. It is so not working. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's why I wear the hat, to cover the gray hair. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you I are wanna... a saint, Greg. No, you that's, are a saint. that is my wife. I am, uh, I am the sinner that she tries to uh, save every day. So, 
she she is an amazing person too i would i would have no doubt of that and someday we'll make it to nebraska as a family and we'll all get together have beers watch uh an athletic competition or two and uh share share stories and beers great Definitely. So uh, for Jill, again, thank you so much. Todd, same to you. I want to wish everybody out there listening a very Merry Christmas. Be safe. Have fun. Uh, do all the things that you're supposed to do and a couple of things you're not, I guess. Just do them safely. Uh, so Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. But we'll talk to you before then. I'm Greg Mahashko reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Todd. Go Big Red. Chill. Win the damn game, right? <laughs> classic, classic. <laughs> now I always got to find the stop recording button.